Hello, you guys, and welcome to This Is Life Turned Up, episode 11. I'm so excited you guys are here. We have an amazing guest today. This is Chylin Simmons, and she has a product that we all want. So I'm going to go ahead and pass this over to Chylin so she could tell you about this amazing product that she has. And just to kind of get in her head a little bit about why she's doing this, the issues that are coming up, if any, and just kind of like getting everybody listening who's listening to feel like we could do things like this. We could take risks in our business and our lives because Chylin is doing it. And yeah, I can't wait for you guys to meet her. So hi, Chylin. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I'm Shailene Simmons, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Lucky Lou. Um, Lucky Lou is an AI power stylist and social commerce company, which is a whole lot of word jumble there. So basically what we're doing is providing a free um, stylist online that basically stays with you wherever you go and giving you sort of the support and the capability to discover new clothing that would fit your body shape and your size. Um yeah. So, and I started this company because like 75% of us in the marketplace, I had really struggled to find something that would fit my body. Um, I tried everything from stitch fix to going to a Nordstrom stylist. And I think that's a, a coming from a place of incredible privilege because, you know, obviously Nordstrom is super pricey and um, stitch fix charges you $20, um, even if you don't buy clothing from them. So that's always super tricky. And so what I wanted to do is build something that uh, like a lot of people wanted, which is basically a stylist um, that is like a Kardashian level stylist that will follow you wherever you go, know what you touch and didn't like and know all the stuff that you liked and wanted to try on and get your feedback from all your friends in real time whenever you need it. And so that is what we are building and is launching next month. Woohoo! You guys, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to download this app because it sounds awesome because I want a Kardashian style stylist following me who is actually nice to me and telling me I look good in everything, but I should just buy this instead of that. <laughs> this color looks better on you than that color. But that's, it's, there's such a need. We talked before this, we started recording, but there's such a need for this because we all want that. Like for me, I want to look good, feel good. I hate shopping. I hate it. I hate going to malls. All my girlfriends are like, let's go shopping. I'm like, no, I don't want to shop. I just want somebody to give me clothes that look good on me and fit me really well. And that's it. And so what you're doing is creating this place for, for people like me to get that. And I'm so excited. It is amazing. So you taught us why you started this, which is great. And I want to know like what happens because a lot of people listening to this are in business or wanting to get into business or wanting to like do the thing. And I coach a lot of these women on how to move past the fears because the two things that come up are imposter syndrome and fear. And I feel like they're linked. And there's this thing that happens when we want to start something and we have these ideas and we've done, we spend hours and days and months sometimes on market research and we know there's a need, but then there's this thing that happens with us. It's like, and maybe men are different, but women, we sit there and we're like, okay, should I actually do this? Like, who am I to do this? Why should I do this? Like, can I do this? And that fear is huge. And I know you talked about before when we spoke about like doing a presentation, can you tell us about that? Like what happens when you face that fear and how do you move past it? 
Sure. And this, by the way, is a very big question, not just among women, but also among men in terms of how do you decide whether or not you're going to go to the corporate route or go to entrepreneurial route? And then if you're um, working in a corporate environment, when to take that entrepreneurial plunge, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, your point of basically having um, imposter syndrome, that runs especially high for women. We are the type of people who look at job descriptions and go, gosh, if I don't, you know, get eight out of the 10 criteria, even if I have 10 out of the, you know, eight out of the 10 criteria, I'm not a good fit for the job where there are definitely some people in the world, um, a lot of men, um, certainly who have two out of 10 and go, yeah, like, but I'll learn the rest on the job. <laughs> totally. Um, yes. And, um, and being an entrepreneur, that's always the biggest leap because, you know, there is no um, job description that you're ticking off a list for. And so the question is, you know, do I have what it takes? And that plunge is always sort of the biggest sort of jump of all. We, you know, for people who are in a corporate track, you know, there's a lot of understanding of, you know, which scaffolding you need to sort of move next, you know, next to you to make the next rung of the promotion. And so when you step into entrepreneurship, there is not a very clear path. And so that fear of unknown really becomes problematic for people who have been career achieving. And so at some point, I think that, you know, I can at least tell you anecdotally, um, I have a project called the Binders Project, hashtag Binders Project, where about 150 to 160 um, women entrepreneurs sort of sign up to be connected to people who are angel investors and funders. Oh, and so by amazing. And yeah, so by and large, these women are spectacular, right? They are smart. They are accomplished. They are, you know, definitely not an actor among them. Um, but there is the very big fear of basically taking that sort of leap and getting money and, and all of that. And I think that at some point you line your ducks, you know, you save up enough so that you have a cushion, you sort of make plans on, um, you know, how long you're going to give yourself time to basically, you know, deal with and manage and scale your entrepreneurial ventures. Um, and once you set all those things up, there's still that first step, that plunge into the unknown. And that's the scariest leap. And there's nothing that anyone that can say to basically help you take that step other than you just have to take it. Okay. So you took that step. You were at Google for a few years and you took that step. So what did that feel like for you and how did you kind of move past it? I'm here to be the first person to tell you that it was not an easy step. Um, I actually spent the first year exactly with what you were talking about, which is imposter syndrome. In fact, I had this idea to do Looky Loo early on, but felt like I couldn't convince people to join me because it was still super early and I was sort of noodling it in my head. So when I quit, I was giving myself the time to work on it, to do the market research, to do all of that stuff. But meanwhile, I was helping somebody else actually be CEO. And I realized as I was going through this endeavor for about eight months of helping, um, you know, a friend's boyfriend um, start his startup as his CEO, that he knew next to nothing. In fact, I was doing all the work. Um, <laughs> and it was just not a good situation. Why was I so hesitant to do this? And so I had spent part of that time distracted because I had that imposter syndrome of, well, I'm not really capable of doing this on my own. And it's when I basically decided, yeah, I was able to do this on my own, even if I had to, if I could not convince people to join me, um, that in fact, I was able to find a formal former coworker that I quite like to join me. Uh, and so 
yeah, but so you have to have that confidence in yourself. And I don't, I, I think that that imposter syndrome could happen with anybody. Um, I have a friend who is one of the most accomplished people I know in the world. Literally, I cannot admire this woman more. And she has horrible imposter syndrome herself. And so I don't, I think that you all, have, all of us have to just take the plunge and know like what our self-worth is, right? And to just yeah. take that. Yeah. And I think there's two things to that, right? It's knowing our self-worth and actually doing the work that's needed on a personal development standpoint and like really, really understanding what we're good at, what we're not good at. Because a lot of the people I work with and myself, we start doing, we know our strengths and our weaknesses somewhere in our head and our body, right? But then when we start doing certain things, because it's our business and we have to do everything at the beginning, there's certain things we're not necessarily good at. I hate to say that, but like we're better at other things, right? So we do those things because we have to, and we have to bootstrap or whatever it is. And then we start getting stuck in, oh shit, I'm not good at that. I'm sucking at that. Instead of realizing maybe we could get help for that and focus on what we're actually good at, but it really comes down to awareness and what we're good at, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and then getting help or getting a partner who could, you know, help us with that. I think that's huge. But then the other piece to this is just actually taking that step into the unknown. And we all at certain points points in our life have taken those steps. Sometimes we failed. Sometimes we succeed. But I feel like, you know, the failure piece is the thing, although it sucks. We all know that we hate to fail as people. But the caveat is that it helps us become who we are now. It builds this like, you know, these tools in our toolbox that we could use. So can you talk about, you know, really quick something, you know, an experience where you failed, maybe not failed, but like didn't get the results you wanted and how that helped you? Well, that example that I just spoke about was exactly that. I mean, I literally quit an amazingly good paying job um, at a really top company um, thinking that I was going to start my own company and lack the confidence, right, to basically launch that company even if I had to by myself. And not because it wasn't a great idea, not because there wasn't people who needed it, but I just basically lacked confidence. And so I spent eight months actually helping somebody – realize their dreams, right? Uh, and that was So you did yeah. that instead of your own thing just because you were yeah. right right. Ah, gotcha. And to me that's an absolute failure, right? Because if you at the end of the day, if you're going to be a founder, you have to have the belief and a vision in yourself. And I think that that is tremendously difficult for a lot of women. Yeah. And if there are listeners out there, especially women of color, like we um just aren't always taught to be, to be confident in ourselves in that way um, versus, you know, the men out there in the world. And I think that that does make a difference to say that, you know, look, it is absolutely okay to pursue my dreams. And my biggest failure I thought was that I didn't have the confidence to start that from the beginning, even though I had um, the guts to leave the job for it. um, I just felt like I, loss of confidence, you know, right after I left to basically start my own thing um, and needed that time. And in a way, that's also okay, right? That's, you talk about sort of failure, it's okay to basically take that as a a way to ease in. Um, I never see things as 
huge failures that, you know, so long as you take something out of it, that you learn something from that experience. So percent. Okay. Now I'm going to shift gears really quick. I want to get into your head and we want to learn about you. So it's a super random question, but what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Wow. Um, I know. So- <laughs> Hard part because I literally will give probably the same answer across any restaurant. I am a French fry fiend. Like I will probably turn into a ginormous French fry somewhere um, in my life. I but I literally will order French fries in just about every like restaurant I get. Healthy <laughs> as all hell. Like it's not cool, but it is. What it, it is, is what it is. It is what it is, you know, like, I, I, I will, like, explain it to my husband as if this is some sort of, like, delicacy, like, you know, this is how you can tell whether or not a restaurant really makes good food, like, you know, it's a basic thing, and, like, if they do it well, <laughs> like, you know, right, and so I'm sure it's totally not the case, but, um, but that is my go-to food practically at any restaurant, oh, so. Yeah. That is amazing. Okay, last question, and then we're going to wrap this up. Who are the three people who have been the most influential to you? Wow, so that's a really amazing question, and I definitely have um, a list. Um, I am a huge fan of the Dalai Lama, and mainly because I really have a firm belief and been trying to practice for like onwards of three plus years. Um, what I call one kindness a day, literally that I think it's the world that we live in today is super challenging, um, and so practicing proactive kindness is not a super easy thing. I mean. I think we all think that we're really cool, nice people every day. And it's totally 100% true. Um, But like literally the practice of doing something even small that you do not expect anything to come out of it. Um, And it could be something as simple as like opening the door or paying for the latte of the person next, you know, behind you in line of Starbucks or doing something big, like helping another woman connect to a venture capitalist. The active practice of doing something kind with no expectation coming back, what it does is it multiplies into doing additional acts of kindness. And I find myself much happier every day. So Dalai Lama is a huge practitioner of this. I love it. Um, My other um, huge sort of a fan and a person I strongly admire is this woman, Sharice Torres, who is um, a friend and also an advisor in my company. Um, She is a super executive, a busy mom of two kids. Um, And, you know, she talks about self um, self-healing and, you know, being able to nurture yourself so that you can actually also give on to other, you know, to others. And so I, she's one of the first among my set to talk about how important that is for busy people everywhere to know that you have to nurture yourself so that you can grow for others. Yes. And I, I and admire that. Um, and then finally, I have one other, um, sadly, um, a sponsor um, versus a mentor, and sponsors are very important, and they're people who sort of actively promote you. Um, this man named Robert Acker, who had passed several years ago, um, had been sort of a, you know, a mentor, a sponsor in my career. And, you know, he was somebody who basically, I believe, exemplified from a executive and leadership perspective what I admired. You know, somebody who gave you enough robe to basically do what you need to do, never hovered, but gave you enough space to be, you know, good, but was always in your corner. Um, he's really epitome of basically um, servant leader, um, proud style of leadership. And I really admired him and so was so happy to have 
had him in my life and as a active sponsor in my career. And, you know, sadly he passed too early. And so, um, but I think about him quite a lot because in fact, my leaving to go to this job um, and taking the Google job was, had a lot to do with him and his coaching. So. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Chylin. This has been a great conversation and we will put the links to your app and the binders project project in the show notes. So, and ways to get a hold of you. Um, if anybody has some questions about everything that we talked about, but again, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and thank you guys for listening and we will see you back on episode 11.